Trusting God through the trials of life, next on Abounding Grace. Trials have started, but they haven't ended, and it's hard. How are you going to make it through? I mean, you could share with me every detail, and I really don't know what decisions do you need to make, but I do know this. You need to trust in God. And the whole world's falling out around you. You need to trust in God. Day by day, abiding in Him. Just as it is sometimes God's will for His people to conquer, some of you, God's going to give you victory now. It's going to be great. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be awesome. Just like it's God, sometimes God's will for His people to conquer in a struggle, it also is sometimes God's will for people to continue in their suffering. This is amazing grace. Welcome to another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today, we're going to be finishing our look at the 11th chapter of Hebrews. As we look back on the testimonies of these heroes of faith, there is a common thread. They all experienced pain and hardship, but they made it through. How, might you ask? By faith. And that's the same way we're to respond to the trials of life. While many around us are freaking out and hopeless, let's see how we can stand out as people of faith. Here's Pastor Ed. I've been reading recently a book on the very, very, very beginnings of Calvary Chapel. Getting through all of everybody's stories and everything that has an opinion on what happened. This is an eyewitness account of how it all went down back when Calvary Chapel was 20 people. It was one of the original members ended up writing a book a few years ago. I didn't even know it existed, but somebody bought, lent it to me. I've been reading it. And one of the phrases that jumped out off the page as she was describing Pastor Chuck firsthand, Pastor Chuck Smith, is that he would take steps of greater faith and greater surrender. That's how he put how he set his life up to follow God. And it was noticeable because she wrote it down and she put it in quotes. That he would take steps demonstratively. It would be obvious that he would have deeper, greater faith and situation. He'd step into situation, situations that would require greater surrender. And I had to look at my own life and go, wow, does that really describe my life? Does it describe your life? As you are making decisions, is it greater surrender or is it greater comfort? Is it greater surrender or is it greater ease? Are you taking steps that are requiring more faith? Or are you taking steps where you still are in control of everything and requires no faith at all? Here I'm reminded that through torture, through trials of mockings, it says, verse 36, through scourgings, remember scourgings is violent whipping that would lead almost always to death. They would be beaten, chains thrown in prison for their faith. It seems in trials, people want to do everything to get out of them, to deny they exist, to try to take control and assert themselves. Hey, believe me, in my prayer life, I'm not asking for more trials. You know, I don't think that's wise. Oh, Lord, just lay it on. 
Give me one more. I, man, this has been such a long, give me more. It, obviously, there's a desire to get out of trials. That's not necessarily bad. But I also watch people want to manipulate the situation so that they don't have to feel the pain that God has obviously allowed into their lives. Why? So that he might draw out greater surrender and greater faith. Not greater manipulation. Not greater fleshly response. You know, one of the attributes that James tells us in his letter of wisdom from above is a willingness to yield. So you know and I know when there's that sense of asserting myself and I'm not willing to yield, that my flesh has been pricked. And I may or may not be living in such a way of greater dependence and greater surrender. The whole chapter 11 of Hebrews, greater dependence and greater surrender. God wants to do a work in us so he could do a work through us. And oftentimes the point is pain. The point is pain. Notice it says, they were stoned, verse 37. They were sawn in two. History tells us that Isaiah was the one that was sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And then this phrase just blows my mind in verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy. The testimony of these men and women, the world wasn't worthy to see it or experience it, but God gave it still. I started thinking about that. You know, I, many years I worked uh, in the business world. I worked for a mom and pop family company. And I remember God immediately brought to mind when I thought the world's not worthy of a woman I worked with. I worked with her as an unbeliever, and then after I was born again. And I remember this woman. I can see her. I can see her. She lived, worked in another building next to us, so I didn't literally work with her, but she would come over to our side of the office a lot, and I got to know her and talk with her. And, and she was a very quiet believer that had a firm belief, very clearly, even as an unbeliever, I could tell. She had a real stern, firm belief in God. And on occasion, she would share the difficulties in her life, like the difficulty in her home and the abuse she suffered at the hand of her husband and how hard it was to raise her child uh, with a husband that didn't believe in God. And she was telling me all this stuff I didn't even know, but she was sharing her testimony because God was going to use her to prick my heart later on to be born again myself. So she wasn't like sharing the gospel with me all the time. She was sharing the gospel through her life and I didn't even know it. And she would just start telling me. She trusted me. And I'm like, this is great. Now, one of the stories that was very painful was how she endured the sickness of her son. Her son was very, very sick. And I remember like it was the day, like it was yesterday. I remember the day she told me with tears in her eyes that her son had contracted the AIDS virus. And automatically there's that stigma with AIDS, isn't there? Well, he must have been in something wrong. He must have been in sin. He must have been. Nope. He was just 14 years old. He was a hemophiliac. And so he would often have blood transfusions because of if he would hit a, a wall wrong or he would fall, like he'd get very strong, bruised, and he could bleed out at any moment. She was always fearful, always one. And I remember the day she said, but, but I'm praying for him that God would heal him. And, and she was steadfast for her son. And I remember fast forward a couple years when she came to tell me the news that her son had died of AIDS, that God didn't heal him. And how her faith was steadfast. And that she just continued going forward moment by moment, day by day. Things didn't get better for her. They got much worse. And I thought, you know what? She's one of those women the world wasn't worthy. It was a blessing. I, I've lost touch with her over the last few years, unfortunately. But it was a blessing she was in my life. I wasn't worthy to have her in my life. 
to give me the kind of testimony I would need to even share with you today. She doesn't even know she's, she's being mentioned today, but her life's in the hall of faith, steadying on. And I'm sure if I got in contact with her again, you know what she'd be doing? Following the Lord, loving Jesus with all their heart, facing whatever it is that's in front of her. The world's not worthy. What a testimony. I, I mean, one day I would hope that my testimony would be some, like the world, like I would just have a testimony that points to the Lord. That when my name is mentioned, that my name would remind people, no, he followed the Lord. He taught the word of God. He stayed consistent. Yeah, he was up and down. He, was a, he made a few mistakes or a lot of mistakes along the way. But man, that man, he followed God. He, he taught my kids the word. He didn't quit. I want that to be your testimony. Oh, I don't know that we would ever be, oh, the world was not worthy for us. But we can still have a good testimony. We can still have a testimony that points. Look at verse 39. These all having obtained a good testimony. How? By faith. We don't have to be superstar believers. We don't have to be perfect in every way. Just men and women that believe God and trust Him with our lives. Fully committing ourselves. That that's what we'd be known by. They trust God. They love Him. And their faithful endurance is still encouraging us today. God gave them faith. God gave faith to see some of his people through the most difficult of times. And they didn't escape them. You know how it is with trials. We cry, we cry out to get out from under them. But many people don't get out from the trials. They don't escape them. They live through them, enduring with them. They last a long time. You know, when we were new believers and we were talking about trials, when we didn't really understand, we would talk about trials, you know, and they were so small. Something would happen in the morning. It'd be, it'd be like a movie. It'd start in the morning, resolve at night. Go, oh, I went through another trial. Oh, I went through another trial. And I think God does that on purpose. He gives us little things to train us, to allow us to see it. Because as longer you walk with the Lord, the longer you learn that there are times when a trial starts and it never ends. It just never ends. That the prayer of our hearts is, God, I want it to end. I want it to end. And it just doesn't end. It has a beginning, and then the middle seems like forever. And some of us, we won't experience the deliverance of our trial until we're in the presence of the Lord. But what a deliverance that will be. Only the believer can, be, can have the hope of being fully delivered from their trials. If not in this life, definitely in the life to come. But here we are. Trials have started, but they haven't ended, and it's hard. How are you going to make it through? I mean, you could share with me every detail, and I really don't know what decisions do you need to make, but I do know this. You need to trust in God. And the whole world's falling out around you. You need to trust in God. Day by day, abiding in Him. Just as it is sometimes God's will for His people to conquer, some of you, God's going to give you victory now. It's going to be great. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be awesome. Just like it's God, sometimes God's will for his people to conquer in a struggle, it also is sometimes God's will for people to continue in their suffering. Sometimes it's God's will for you to continue in your suffering. He, he said earlier that they were able to find strength in their weakness. Paul was able to find the same thing. That was the word of Jesus, actually. Say, Paul, I'm not going to remove this thorn from you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. God is attracted to weakness. We're not so attracted to weakness, but God is attracted to weakness. He draws near to the brokenhearted, to the contrite, to the humble in heart. God draws near to those that cry out to him. God draws near. You draw near to God, the Bible says he'll draw near to you. We're, we're attracted to strength. 
we're attracted to power. We're attracted to control. We're, we're in a culture that says, I have rights. I have rights. And so we all emphasize our rights. But you know, before you have any rights, you have no rights. Because when you were born again, you were purchased at a price. You agreed, I agreed, it wouldn't be my way anymore. It wouldn't be my way. I just shared my testimony with a sister last night. It wouldn't be my way. If God let me continue in my way, I wouldn't be here today. I needed a radical change in my life. I needed to be born again. And when I was born again, I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He has the rights of my life. I've surrendered myself to him. And so when I feel like I want to assert my rights, I need to step back and say, God, what do you want to do with my life? Because you know what's best for me. You know better than I do. You know better than I do. And I want to stay in that place of humility. It often takes more courage. It often takes more courage to hold on than it does to fight on. It often takes more courage to hold on than to fight on. And where there's a need for more courage, listen, there's always a new need for more faith. You want more courage? You need more faith. You need to trust in the Lord. Sometimes affliction's inescapable. Sometimes it's not. The person of faith, the person with faith, no affliction is escapable that requires denial or compromise. What is easy to escape for the worldly person is not so easily escaped for the believer. Because compromise can't be part of your tool. It's not in your toolbox anymore. The only way to respond to trials is by faith. By faith. Not taking things in our own hands. All these testimonies, this good testimony, were all developed through pain and hardship. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. They didn't even, they lived on the other side of the cross. They didn't even experience the fullness. Why? Well, God had it in his sovereign plan to connect those before the cross, to connect them with us after the cross so we'd be one. So they didn't even experience the promise and they made it. Here we are with the power of the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit. We have technology, we have a Bible, we have, we have so much today that they didn't have. And yet they made it and we can make it too. Faith is when everything's caving in around you and you won't give up. You won't throw in the towel. Even in the final scenes of in the heavenly scene, you know, in Revelation chapter 6, there's the souls that are under the altar that were martyred during the tribulation. And what are they crying out for? How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long? How long is it going to take? When's it all going to end? And I'm so encouraged by this chapter because... It infuses faith in us. And I want to end here is before we go into communion. Would you turn over to Daniel with me, please? Daniel chapter 3. I think of all the examples, this is one of the greater examples that I want to share with you in this last section. For those of you that are Bible students, you know this is the true story of these young Hebrew men that were kidnapped by Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon and brought away from their homeland, away from their religion, away from their parents. They were kidnapped because they were strong, because they were wise and smart, and they were now being brainwashed in Babylonian philosophies and the philosophies of this world. They were being trained to be little Babylonian leaders. And they were willing to submit to the training up to a point. Just like we're in the world, but we're not of the world, so up to a point. And then no more. We're not moving any farther. No compromise, but up to a point. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, listen, they not only had a decision to make, but they were witnesses to everyone else. I don't want you to forget this. In the decisions you have to make, as you're making decisions for your own life and your own family, you are a witness to your kids, to your neighbors, to your coworkers. You're either a good witness or you're a bad witness, but you're a witness nonetheless. And how you respond to pain, how you respond to difficulty, how you respond to unfairness has a bearing on those that are close to you and those that are watching your life. Because people were watching these kids when they refused to bow down. Notice with me in verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar comes in rage and fury. He gives a command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar, verse 14, spoke saying, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you know, when you hear the music and you fall down and worship the image that I've made, good. But if you don't worship, you'll be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God, little G, who will deliver you from my hands? There's a lot to be unpacked here, but little does Nebuchadnezzar know that these three young men are a witness to him. And God is going to use these three young men and their loyalty to God and their respect to the king. And all, he's going to use all that in their life to prick Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Not yet, because right now he's angry, he's out of control. And he goes, look, I heard you guys won't bow down. If you bow down, it's over. Just bow down. That's all you need to do is bow down. And notice their answer. And this is the emphasis that I want you guys to see. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, answered and said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And basically, they're saying, we've already made up our minds. You can bring us back a thousand times, but we don't need to answer you in this. It's already done. And here, they explain to him, if it's the case, if you're going to throw us in the fiery furnace, so that's what you want to do, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now listen, the fiery furnace in your life, you can say with these young men, my God is able. Your God is able to deliver you. He is able to intervene on your behalf. God is able. The circumstances do not dilute the abilities of God, the power of God, the sovereignty of God, the presence of God, the purpose of God. Your God is able. You need to know that today. Your God is able to deliver you. And even if you're thrown in the fiery furnace, God is still able to deliver you even for all of eternity. You lose nothing by staying loyal to God. Notice verse 18. But if he doesn't deliver us, if not, I just want you to know, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you've set up. Listen, you can throw us in there. God can deliver us. He will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, he's already delivered us. <laughs> he's already He's already given. We are loyal to God and we trust him. See, your response in times of crisis, they're going to be read by men and women. They're going to hear. They're going to watch you. And if you like, as the church, the light and the salt of this earth, look like the world, sound like the world, freak out like the world, that's not much of a testimony. It doesn't really speak of the faithfulness of God or the power of God, or it doesn't really speak of, you could say this, it's really a faithless response 
to crisis. When you're trying to control things, you're wanted, it's really faithless response. The more faithful response is to stand there and say, I will not compromise. And God will do what he's going to do with my life. But you, king, you don't control my life. I've already made up my mind and my decisions before the Lord. And can I just encourage you, church, as you are considering your testimony, you're considering these men and women of faith, and those of you that are very active on social media, would you, would you tell somebody about the power of God in your life? Would you start posting about the fact that you believe a God that delivers? Would you start sharing with them maybe where you were? I know there's a, lot, how, there's a lot of posts right now, how it started and how it is now. Would you tell somebody how it started in your life and how it is now? Would you get outside of the current political issues and would you get outside of the current conditions of, of government overreach and all the crazy stuff that's just causing us to lose our mind? And would you get back to the gospel church? Would you get back to telling people your God delivers? Would you get back to telling people the hope of heaven? Would you get back to being a bright light in a very dark, confused, scary world? Would you please? Would you let God use you again? Would you let God use you with the message that's eternal? Where else is it going to come from if it doesn't come from you? Who's going to be posting about the love of Jesus if it isn't you? Who's going to be posting about God's work if it isn't you? Who's going to be telling people, you know what? It's hopeless. It's out of control. I agree. I understand. Let me tell you about my God. He's able to deliver you. He's able. Because you know there's a lot going on in that layer. But there is so much more going on under the surface prodigal kids, hungry families, divorce, pornography. I mean, there's so much going on that people need to be reminded there's a God who saves. Your testimony's huge. And maybe there'll be a couple extra verses written in chapter 11. We know that's not possible because God's not adding to the word. But let's just say we're writing a chapter on the faithfulness of Calvary. What would the chapter look like? What would it be? What, are we just going to look like the world, sound like the world, act like the world? Or what would be the church? Even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before there was ever a church, they were so loyal to God. It's like, it doesn't matter what I lose. We're staying loyal. We're going to stay close. Their confidence was in God. And whatever you decide, Father, we trust in you. You're in control. We've seen your faithfulness in the past, and we'll see it in the fiery furnace. We'll see it in this trial. We'll see it in the next trial until we're face to face, worshiping him. Walking in wisdom, of course, walking cautiously, but exercising faith, because whatever is not of faith, the Bible says, is sin. And we just don't want to go there. The fruit of a life lived with no compromise, a life filled with faith is safety, security, Faith, focus, confidence, calmness, peace that passes all understanding. It's all yours. You know, you know, so don't have to be so full of tension and frustration. And now you're arguing with your spouse, arguing with your kids. No, no. Faith smooths it all out. So no, as me and my house, Joshua said, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's just a good place to be, no matter what's swirling around us. What a great lesson today on responding to trials with faith. Maybe the timing of this couldn't be better, as you've been wrestling with pain and difficulty. Might I suggest hearing the message again and even sharing it with a friend? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. 
penned on a train from Illinois to Texas, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer has proven to be helpful to anyone longing for a deeper experience with God. This book is a modest attempt, Tozer wrote, to aid God's children so to find Him. If you're hungry, the pursuit of God will lead you to the only one who can satisfy the soul. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Ordering resources is easier than ever now through our e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and are not interested in the pick of the month, you could just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my prayers. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.